Okay, um, we started a series on this spiritual warfare. <laughs> we got into a little spiritual warfare tonight. By the way, let me explain to you. It looks weird what I was doing probably if you've never seen that before. And I, I'm just telling you, I'm just being obedient to the Lord. But what happened after I got those words of knowledge, I actually felt an anointing come to break stuff. And I said, Lord, what is this? And he said, this is to break demonic attack. Now, let me just say this. A Christian cannot be demon-possessed. It's very important to know that. It's not, but, but, <laughs> guess what? You can be demon-oppressed. In fact, Paul talks about how he was oppressed. I mean, it's normal. If you're, you know, the enemy wants to kill, steal, and destroy. That's what it says in John 10.10. 10. But the good news is that Jesus said, when he was quoted that, he said, but I came that you may have life and have it more abundantly. I want you to know the life of Jesus is stronger than what the enemy tries to do. However, the enemy is very subtle. His tactics, and we'll talk about it tonight, uh, you know, Paul talks about being aware of the wiles of the devil or the schemes or the, the methods. The, the word there in the Greek is methodia, and it's, it's his crafty scheming methods that he uses. He has to use deception because he's been defeated by Jesus on the cross. And so he's lost his power, but that doesn't mean he, ha he doesn't give up because he wants to destroy as many individuals as he can. And if you are a follower of Jesus, you are on his, <laughs> I almost said the wrong word, I'm in church, but it's, it's on his crap list, I guess, if I can say that in church, but you are on his list. He does not like you, but it doesn't matter because greater is he who's in you than he that's in the world. And so it's important to know, and, and I've experienced a lot of demonic attacks. I mean, and it, it's not weird, but lots of times I'm not aware of it because he's so subtle. In other words, when I have, if I have thoughts that are destructive thoughts, uh, I'll just think they're my thoughts, I'm having a bad day or I'm thinking this, but what he does, he brings those thoughts and he tries to get us to think that they're that there are thoughts. He puts them in our mind, but he gets them. So we think, oh, you know, these are my thoughts. No, they're not. Because we don't think destructively. He's the one that brings, tries to bring that destructiveness. And when we have Jesus, he changes us from the inside out. So it's really important to know that. Very, very important. Now, uh, we started a series on spiritual warfare from Ephesians chapter 6. And uh, Brian Fenimore kicked it off. He's, he always speaks the first the first week of the month, the first Wednesday of the month. He's awesome. He comes in from Kansas City, and he's a great teacher. And uh, last week I talked on the breastplate of righteousness, and tonight I'm going to talk about our feet being shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Now, I think, uh, Jim, are the, are the messages, Wednesday night messages on, online? Yeah, there are. Okay. If you missed last week, I would encourage, in fact, go back and watch Brian and watch me not because I'm such a great speaker. It's not that. It's because it was a really good message. And, uh, and it, it's a powerful message because, when, well, let me ask you a question. How many of you tonight would say that you're righteous? Would you raise your hand? I can see some of you that are not raising your hand weren't here last week. Okay, now, the fact is that righteousness is not something that we earn or something that we think we are. Righteousness is something that Jesus imparts to us and it did impart to us when we received him as our Lord and Savior. See, he died on the cross. He took all your sin. He took all my sin. And I think I had a lot more sin than you did. But anyway, we won't argue about that. But anyway, he took all our sins and the sins of the world. And when he hung on the cross and died, he literally satisfied 
you know, God, he satisfied God by taking all that sin. And then he went, he, he died and resurrected, and so he conquered death and hell, and he broke the power of sin and the power of the enemy. And so it's so important to know that, but one of the things he did, according to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21, it says, the scripture, Paul writes, you, uh, let's see, how does that go? Uh, well, we'll get to it. But anyway, it's basically, we are the righteousness of God in Christ. It says, you know, because Jesus took our sin, therefore he made us that we are the righteousness of God in Christ. Not because of what we do, but because of who we are. Let me say that again. It's not because of what we do, it's because of who we are. And then when we understand who we are, that we're not the sin consciousness, when we realize we're the righteousness of God in Christ, we begin to act that way. We begin to act. Does that mean we never sin? No, we do. We blow it, but we run to him when we do that because we know he loves us and forgives us, and so it keeps that breastplate of righteousness in place. See, the enemy wants to attack us. He wants to attack our emotions. He wants to attack our mind. He wants to attack us in any way he can, and that's why the breastplate of righteousness that Paul talks about was so essential. Now, uh, I'm going to uh, put up the scripture uh, that basically, and by the way, this is part three. Uh, I just entitled it The Shoes of Peace, but uh, part three, we having trouble bringing things up? It looks like we are. That is not good. Oh, good. Okay, here we go. Okay, great. Now, let's go to the first scripture. Uh, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to read this passage again, which we're, this is all based on. Next week will be the shield of faith, and... Uh, and can we go to the next, can we go to the next one? In, <laughs> that's perfect. Okay, you can follow. I'm just going to read it, and it says this. Uh, this is Ephesians 6. Uh, actually, it's 10 through 12. You can follow in your Bibles. This is from the New King James. It says, finally, my brethren, that includes sistren, by the way, brethren, sistren, uh, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God. I talked to you last week, whole armor, that word. Actually, a better translation is put on the whole weaponry of God. The word there is panoplia in the Greek, and it really talks about weapons. Why? Because some of our weapons are, are defensive. When we think of armor, it's all defensive. But actually, some of the weapons are offensive. The sword of the Spirit is an offensive weapon. Praying in the Spirit is an offensive weapon. And actually, <clears throat> I realize the sh when you, you know, uh, shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace, that's both a defensive and an offensive weapon. <clears throat> and so, basically... He says here that we are to put on the whole weaponry of God that, we may be able, that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Now, I just mentioned that. That's the schemes, the trickiness of the devil. He has to use deception. And Paul understood this. And then he says this, for we do not wrestle against what? Flesh and blood. People are not your problem. I know people create a lot of problem in our lives. If you live on planet Earth, you're going to get hurt, you're going to get wounded, you're going to get betrayed, you're going to get, and even by Christians, I know that's hard to believe, but it happens. And it happens often, unfortunately, and it's sad, and it happened to Paul. Paul was betrayed, he was forsaken by some of those that were closest to him, and he went through incredible hell. Paul was Saul of Tarsus, he was basically almost worshipped in the Jewish faith. He was the one they picked to persecute Christians, and he walked in a tremendous, tremendous uh, just tremendous, uh, people looked up to him in such a powerful way. He uh, studied in Gamaliel. He probably understood the word better than anybody at that time. And so, anyway, the amazing thing was, it goes on to say this, for we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. Now, I want you to see the word for wrestle. 
<laughs> the word for wrestle here is the word pale. Say pale. Uh, we get palestra from that. We get, you know, there's other words that come out of this. But it means intense struggle or conflict. Now, in that day when this was written, oftentimes there would, wrestling matches would end in death. One person would die, and that would end the match. Not always, but oftentimes that would happen. And so wrestling was, <laughs> was not like you got three point, two points for a takedown and, you know, uh, two points for an escape. And, you know, uh, you know, I mean, it wasn't like that. Uh, one point for an escape, two points for a reversal. It wasn't like that. It was like it was blood, guts, and it was to the, you know. And so basically Paul is using the Roman soldier, and he's using these analogies to say we're in a battle, folks. We're in a battle. We're not wrestling against flesh and blood. If you think people are your problem, it's not. Now, sometimes the enemy can motivate people, but you've got to deal with what's behind that. And so he talks about three areas. Now, I put this slide up last week. I'm going to put it up again. It's a slide of the three heavens. How many know there's three heavens? And those heavens are divided. The third heaven is the heaven where God is. Paul talks about it in 2 Corinthians chapter uh, 12, I believe, he said, uh, I knew a man, uh, you know, who went up into the third heaven, whether he was in the body or out of the body, I know. Now, he was talking about himself. Many think it's when he was stoned to death uh, and, and that he was raised up again, but he went up into the third heaven. Now, the third heaven was inhabited by God. At one time, Lucifer, Satan, <coughs> who was kind of the son of the morning, he was over the worship in, in heaven. Uh, basically, he was in the third heaven at one time, but when he tried to take the usurp the authority that God had given him and began to take the praise unto himself, he was cast out of heaven. That's why Jesus saw that Jesus said, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Behold, I've given you authority to tread upon serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means harm you. That's Luke 10, verses, I think it's 17 and 18. But anyway, what I want to say is when you begin to understand that only God is in the third heaven, Okay, that's his area, and, and there's no demonic activity in that. However, down in the second heaven, there is demonic activity. There's principalities and powers. <clears throat> if you remember in Daniel chapter 10, what happened was, they, you know, uh, Daniel prayed, but it took 21 days for him to get the answer. Why? Because the prince of Persia, uh, that principality, that prince, had prevented those, those prayers from coming back down, so God sent... Archangel Michael to break through, and he said, your, your prayers were heard immediately when they went up, but the answer came 21 days later. Why? Because there were principalities that were trying to stand against it. <laughs> then the first heaven, that's where we live, that's the atmosphere where we are. There's rulers and spirits, that's actually demons, and that's primarily what we come in contact with, are demonic spirits. So it, it's, it's good to understand that. It's nothing to be afraid of. I don't look for demons. You know, when they appear, you just take authority over them. You don't let fear come in because they try to intimidate. Peter says Satan prowls around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Resist him firm in your faith. A lion will try to paralyze its prey by literally scaring, scaring them so much that they can't move. And then the lion will pounce on that, on that prey. And so the enemy, will, he'll use intimidation. He'll lie. He's the father of lies, according to John 8, 44. And so he's a liar, he's a deceiver, he's an intimidator, and he'll use all those things. But the good news is, greater is he who's in us. Now, I want to talk about the armor of God because Paul talks about this. And what I want to explain, I mentioned this last week. I had a friend, <coughs> when I first got saved, he said, did he, whenever he see me, he goes, did you put your armor on today? He's like, did you get dressed today? 
Because he would, first thing in the morning, he'd get up and he'd, he'd put on his, you know, he'd put on his belt of truth and then he'd put on his breastplate of righteousness and then he'd, he'd do all this little, little formula, he'd, you know, he'd, and, uh, and then he'd go out. Now, I just want to tell you, the armor of God is much deeper than that. It's not just going through this little, I put on my, my breastplate of righteousness. And blah, blah, blah. It's, you know, I mean, if he wants to do that, that's fine. I, mean, I don't know if he's still doing it. That was many years ago. But anyway, the point is, the point is that God wants you to understand this is a lifestyle. Now, Brian Fenimore brought that out uh, when he talked about the belt of truth. This is a lifestyle that we, that we, that we live it's not something we just get up in the morning and go, oh, I put on my, I put on my armor. No, we, we live this. And so that truth is something that we walk in. That breastplate of righteousness, we keep in place so that when the enemy attacks, it falls off that. He can't get to, to us. He, he's not able to get through because we realize we are the righteousness of God. Even when we stumble and fall, we realize that we have a God who loves us so much that he's in part of that righteousness and he wants to help us to overcome. He's not condemning us. He's not pushing us down. He's not mad at us. He loves us, and he wants us to be more than a conqueror. Amen? <laughs> and so, you know, and so, but it's important to know that we're in a battle. Okay, now, uh, let's go to the next, I want to go to the next uh, scripture. The next scripture is, therefore, take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. Now, notice the word withstand. Just kind of highlight that. And having done all to stand, there it is, stand again, stand therefore. <laughs> now, three times we've seen, we've seen withstand, stand, and stand. Having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness. And so, and now I'm going to get to the third part of what I want to talk today. But notice, we've got to stand. Sometimes <laughs> it's important to just stand, stand your ground. Now, it's easy to just fall back and get passive. I know somehow, oftentimes, the Christian church gets very passive in things. Christians, I've seen Christians get so passive, and they just, you know, they just give up. But if you'll stand, having done all to stand, stand there for, and then, and set, having stand. And how do you stand? You stand with the armor, you know, that is operating on the inside of you, the, the armor of God, the weaponry of God. That's what helps you to stand. And so we talked about the belt of truth. Breastplate of righteousness. Now let's move today to what we're talking about. And today we're talking about, um, go to the next verse and it'll say that. Having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Now, um, the word shod here is an interesting word in the Greek. Um, I think I've got it, you know, you know, you might have to jump ahead to that. But the word shod actually is the word hupodeo. Say hupodeo. It's actually two words, hupo, deo. Now, deo means to bind, and hupo means, basically, it means under or around. So it means to bind under or around. In other words, bind your feet, you know, bind them under and around, like your whole foot, bind it, and, and then he goes on to say this. You can go back to that verse, I'm sorry. Bind it with, it says, having shod your feet, with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Now, I was talking to somebody today, and they said they heard that the word preparation meant administration. And whoever told you that was full of it, because it doesn't mean that. I looked it up in the Greek, and actually, it doesn't mean that. What it means is, it means readiness. There's two meanings, uh, two Greek. The first word is readiness. So it's preparation, 
Readiness is the actual first meaning. The second meaning, interestingly enough, is a firm foundation. Having a firm foundation. So it's not only readiness, but it's also a firm foundation. Now, how many know your feet are what determine your foundation? If your feet, you know, if, you're, if, if your feet are not firm, you know, and I believe our firm foundation is the gospel, the gospel of peace. What is the gospel? Who can tell me what the gospel is? Just raise your hand. Okay, go ahead. Take a shot. Good. You're, yeah, you. I saw your hand go up. The good news. Yeah, yeah. Actually, it's the word euangelion in the Greek, which means good news. But what's the good news? Just give it a shot. Yeah, Jesus. Okay. What Jesus did for us is great news. A lot of people don't know. A lot of people don't know that Jesus died for them, do they? A lot of people don't know that Jesus wants to be with them, wants to come into their life, wants to change their life, wants to give them a place in heaven. People don't know that. That, now, is there anything bad about that news? No, it's incredible news. It's incredible news. <clears throat> and so when you think about it, I mean, it's amazing when you think about the, <coughs> the good news is, I mean, it's, it's actually so good that sometimes it's, it's almost, it almost seems too good to be true. But it's not too good to be true. It's reality. So we are to shod our feast with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Now, I want to show you a couple of pictures, uh, three pictures, <coughs> that will really help you to see this. If you can put the picture of the shoes. Now, these are shoes in the time of the, of the Roman army, uh, what they wore. If you'll notice, <laughs> the ones on the left look like Nikes, but you'll notice on the bottom of the shoes, there's like little cleats. You'll notice on the middle one, it's kind of more like a sandal, but it's a cleat. Now, why do you think the Roman soldier wore, had cleats on his shoes? Anybody want to guess? Yeah. Did anybody, everybody play football? Do we, have any, do we have any offensive linemen here? Did you play offense or defense? Defense, okay. You, you don't count then. Anyway. <laughs> but, it, but even if you're a defensive lineman, but if you're an offensive lineman, how many of you know when the defensive linemen are coming in, what do you have to do? You have to be able to stand firm. How many of you know if you don't have cleats on, if you just say, well, I'm not going to wear my cleats today. I'm just going to wear my, you know, my tennis shoes. Uh, I'm sure I'll be fine. How many of you know you won't be fine? Because it's those cleats that dig into the ground and actually give you the footing that you need. So when you shod your feet with the, with the, you know, with the preparation of the gospel of peace, that means the readiness and the firm foundation of the gospel of peace, which means the good news. So you're doing it not only to be able to stand your ground because you know who you are in Christ with the breastplate of righteousness. You have the truth on. You know who you are. You know, but you also, those feet have to be really shod because guess what? You're not retreating, are you? There's no butt plate of righteousness, I just want to tell you. There's, there's no back plate of faith. There's nothing that's going to be, Why? There's none of that because we're going forward. And if we're going to take the gospel forward, we've got to get that good news out. And so if the enemy can distract us enough, he can keep us from conveying the good news. We are bearers of good news. Aren't you glad you're a bearer of good news? Yeah. Say with me, I'm a, I'm a bearer of good news, not bad news. Now, unfortunately, there are some Christians who should be bearing good news, but sometimes they bring bad news. Amen? Sometimes they bring condemnation. Sometimes they bring shame. Sometimes, you know, they say, well, you're not, you're not a good enough Christian, or you're not this or that. You know what? The bottom line is we are conveyors of good news. 
We have good news to bring. We have hope to bring. And, and so, but it's important. In battle, you know, those soldiers, as you can see, they had cleats on their shoes, which gave them a foundation and enabled them to stand, but also to move forward. And, uh, and so uh, put up the next picture, if you would. Now, I want you to know that in the Roman army, and when Paul was talking about shod your feet, it wasn't just the feet, it was also the shins. How many of you know, have you ever gotten really, you know, maybe gotten up in the middle of the night and you banged into the bedstand or something, and your shins just ached? And you're going, ah! I mean, how many know it really hurts when you get your shins? How many know if the enemy can take out your feet or your, sh your shins, how, how many know you're not going to be very effective in battle? Amen? Well, you can see these were, these were the shin guards. That, I mean, the, basically, the, they were called greaves, but they were shin guards, and they went over the shins like this. Now, if you ever played soccer, usually you have shin guards, right? Uh, and, uh, and so you wear shin guards. Why? Because you get kicked in the shins. Man, it's painful. So, again, shin guards. Now, I, wanna, I want you to see the Roman soldier and what he looks like when he's all decked out. <coughs> That's the next, the next slide. So the Roman soldier, uh, you can see him here. You notice he's got his feet are shod, and he's got cleats on the bottom, and then he's got the greaves, and then he's got the breastplate of righteousness. You can see he's got the sword of the spirit. He's got the helmet of salvation. We haven't touched on that. He's got the belt of truth there. But anyway, uh, everyone knew. Paul used this analogy. Why? Because the reason he used this analogy was because everybody knew what a Roman soldier looked like. So when he's talking about the armor of God, and he says, you know, you know gird your loins with the belt of truth and put on the breastplate of righteousness and, you know, and, and shod your feet with the gospel of peace, you've got to understand that people knew and understood what that is. It's just like in today's language, if, if he was writing today, he might say, you know, uh, he might use football analogy, you know, he might put on the shoulder pads of, of truth. Or, I, I don't know. I, but anyway, but I guess it'd be the jockstrap of truth or something. <laughs> and then it would be, uh, it would be the, anyway, we won't go there, but, but we'll stick with the Roman analogy, okay? <laughs> so, but it's important to know, it's important to know that this is a lifestyle. This is the way, this is the way we're able to go forward. Now, here's another thing I want you to see. Notice is that your feet would be shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. He didn't just say the gospel. He said the gospel of peace. Now, I want you to see the, the Greek word for peace is the word irene. Say irene. Now, the irene, the first meaning of irene means relational harmony. Relational harmony. So God wants us to be in relational harmony. First of all, we need to be in relational harmony with God, right? And then we need to be in relational harmony with others. And so when we're in harmony, there's a peace. It, peace is not just the the absence of chaos, peace is more than that. Peace is relational first and foremost. You know, I have found if your relationships are okay, number one with God and with people, then you'll walk in a peace. If things go out of whack in relationships, whether with God or with people, then it creates problems. So we, we, we shot our feet with, the, with that gospel of peace. Now, what I want you to see here is... Um, First of all, Romans 5.1 says, Therefore, having been justified with pay, with, by faith, we have what with God? We have peace with God. Now, how, how do we have peace with God? Well, we've been justified by faith, so we have peace with God through whom? Through Jesus Christ. The only reason I have peace with God is not because I've been a pastor for 29 years. It's not because of anything I've done. 
The only reason I have peace for God, with God is because of what Jesus Christ has done for me and what he's imparted to me. He's forgiven me of all my screw-ups, and I had so many. And even after I became a believer, I still messed up. I didn't try to. just came naturally. But the good news is I'm not under condemnation because there's no condemnation for those that are in Christ. And I know how much he loves me. And so when I'd stumble, instead of running from him and thinking he was upset with me, I'd run to him. He'd pick me up, brush me off, and say, get back in the race, son. And so I just want you to know that God's not ever going to be angry with you. When you mess up, he's there just to pick you up and to move you forward. Amen? Is that good news or bad news? And when you understand that, there's just a tremendous peace that you're able to walk in. Let me give you another scripture here, Romans 10, uh, 15. It says, how shall, we, how shall they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace, who bring glad tidings of good things. Now, I want you to know something. One of the things we're called to do is to reach beyond ourselves and to bring that hope and that peace and that love and, and just in any way we can to other people. That's, that's why we're on this earth. I've always said, you're not here to be comfortable. Amen? Thank you for those two amens. Anyway, we're not here to be comfortable. We're here to what? To make a difference. Say, I'm here, I'm here. to make a difference. Make not just to be comfortable. You see, when you begin to realize, you realize Paul did not have comfort. When he was Saul of Tarsus, he had all the comforts of the world. When he became a believer, basically, he was homeless for a time. He didn't have enough food. He didn't have enough clothing. His best friends forsaked him. He was given 39 lashes several times by the Jews. 40 kills you. He was brought to the brink of death several times. Another, and then he was stoned to death, actually, once. And it wasn't on weed either. He was, he was stoned to death with stones, and they, and they raised him from the dead. Now, here's what I want you to understand. God is an incredible God, and when we get to heaven and Paul says, man, we, we talked to Paul and say, man, you went through all this, Paul? He goes, yeah, and it was all worth it. Do you know he wrote much of the New Testament when he was in prison, when he was going through it? He didn't write it from a palace. He wrote it in prison. Well, you begin to understand that he, he went through many, many struggles. That's why I'm so grateful because he talks, he talks very honestly and openly, you know, about the struggles. And he talks about how, yeah, we're in a battle, folks, but we need to keep our feet shod with the, gospel, with the preparation of the gospel of peace. We can't let that fall away. We can't get so overwhelmed by the struggles of life that we don't forget that we're here to be a blessing to other people. Amen. Now, I've got to wrap this up because my time is almost, is just about up. So I'm going to close with this last scripture. It's 2 Corinthians 17 through 21. And it says this. Therefore, if anyone is Christ, he or she is a new what? Creation. Old things have what? Passed away. By the way, your past should never define your future. Amen? Why? Because God has a great future. It doesn't matter what your past. If my past defined my future... I would have no future. But my past does not define my future. Jesus does. Amen? And he goes on to say this. New creation, all things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Now, all things are of God who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ. So we have a good relationship. Even though we messed up, we have a good relationship through Jesus. we got to remember that. Even when we mess up, we just run back to him. We have a good relationship with him. It goes on to say this. And, it, and he has given us a ministry of what? Do you know every believer has a ministry? You're in the ministry. Some people say, you know, well, I'm not in the ministry. You're in the ministry. No, we're all in the ministry. We all have a ministry of what? 
That's just a big word for what? Yeah, reconciliation just means making things right. How many of you know in the world things are pretty screwed up, amen? But God has given us a ministry to help make things better. Is that good news or bad news? So say this with me. Say, I'm in the ministry. You're in the ministry. We're all in the ministry, whether we like it or not. <laughs> so if you don't like it, build a bridge. Anyway, here we go. <coughs> it says this. That is that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them, and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Now, what does all that mean? What it means is that we have an opportunity to make a difference in this world. Now, I've told you this story before, but when I first got saved, there was an evangelist that came to the church I was going to, and he said, if you don't go out and witness three times a day, you're a lousy Christian. And so I remember one night, I, I was a new Christian. I just figured this was Christianity. So I'm laying in bed, and all of a sudden, I realize it's almost midnight, and I go, oh, no, I haven't witnessed anybody today. I'm a lousy Christian. So I jump out of bed, throw on my clothes, go down to the local 7-Eleven, and I try to just, I mean, I just basically mess with people, you know, three people, <laughs> just so I can go back to bed. Do you know Jesus? If you don't, you know. You know I mean, I, I drove them further away from Jesus. Amen? I did not draw them closer. Nobody got saved that night, I promise. And nobody even got close to getting saved. Why? Because I was doing it out of a should. Anytime you're operating out of a should, <clears throat> you're not going to have good results. How do we operate? We're motivated by the love of God. You know, back in this passage a little earlier, I don't have time to put it up, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 14, Paul says, I'm compelled by the love of Christ. I am literally motivated and driven by the love of Christ. That's what drives me. When I help somebody or share with somebody out of a love that Jesus has for that person, that changes that person's life. But when I'm doing it because I should or because some evangelist told me if I don't witness to three people, I'm not a good Christian, I'm sorry. That's not Christianity. That's legalism. That's garbage. And that's going to cause you to, you know, it was really interesting. I was at the men's breakfast, and the table I was at, uh, I think Kurt, the question he gave was, you know, uh, what do you need more faith for? Everybody said, well, I'm not sharing the gospel enough. And so everybody, we went around the table. It was, a, <laughs> it was a table of condemnation. Everybody felt bad. How many know we're not doing anything enough? How many would say I'm reading my Bible enough? How many would say I'm praying enough? How many would say I'm witnessing enough? How many say I'm loving enough? Yeah, I think one hand went up. <laughs> well, you know what? i got to tell you, I'm not loving enough. I'm not praying enough. I'm not reading my Bible enough. I'm not giving enough. How many say I'm not giving enough? Yeah, everybody. Yeah, we're all, nobody's giving enough. We can, we'll, we'll fix that. We, we'll call, take up an offering right now. <laughs> to break your condemnation. Listen, let me say something. God is more interested in what you're doing than not what you're not doing. Let me say it again. God's more interested in what you're doing, not, not what you're not doing. So break that condemnation. Break it. Don't walk under it. When you're walking under, I should do this. I don't live up here. I don't live up there. You'll always feel you, that, you're, just, that you, you're, you're nobody. I want you to know you're somebody. And God has a plan for your life, and he'll use you to touch people's lives. I love that Ben and Mary, go into, they go into the bars every Friday and Saturday night, and they just go around and looking for people that they can help. 
You know, they just go there and say, hey, how can we pray for you? What can we do for you? How can we help you? I, I thank God for my son who really established the meal. We have a free meal here. And we had the workers that came in tonight, uh, the workers, the construction workers. He invited them that are working on the property here. They came in, had dinner tonight. Uh, you know, we have a place where we, we have clothing and different stuff. We can, and food and we just, we're here to help people. I want you to know compassion evangelism is one of the most powerful things where you show the love of God. You don't do it to get a notch on your belt. You do it because you love people. Amen? Okay, I've got to stop because my time is up. I've gone over my time, but that's because I was ministering to people. Anyway, <laughs> so I had an excuse. I didn't expect all those people to come up <laughs> that needed prayer tonight. So here, here, are the, here are the questions. What's that? All right, good. My wife's keeping me on track here. Okay, thank you, honey. Okay, the questions tonight. <coughs> I've got two, but I, uh, anyway, here are the questions. You want to put the questions up? Okay, now, <laughs> this is kind of a personal question. But anyway, describe the condition of your feet in your personal battles. When unable to stand, what do you do? So we talked about your feet. Okay, now, a lot of people say, well, my feet are not, my feet are shoddily shod. And, you know, and, and, but here's what I want you to do. When, you're, when you have a battle and it's hard for you to stand, how do you handle that? What do you do? And so we're going to share tables today and talk about this. The second one is, how can we advance the gospel of peace in the face of enemy attacks? See, if the enemy can really keep us so focused on him and all the problems we have, and we all have, we all have problems. You know, you go, oh, Pastor, you don't have any problems. Hey, look, we all have problems, trust me. And, uh, and the fact is, if we're always focusing on our problems, guess what? We're not going to be conveying that gospel of peace. So I want you to just share at your table you know, share an incident when you've had, you know, where you've had a struggle. And, uh, you know, and when it's conditioned your feet, you know. I mean, all, all our feet could probably be better shod. But, but when, when you're unable to stand, what do you do? What do you do when, when, when you're struggling and you're kind of falling? What do you do? You know, and then the second thing is, and you can just talk about this, how can we, and talk about it as a team, how can we advance the gospel of peace in the face of enemy attacks? Go ahead. So tonight's going to be speed sharing <coughs> at your table. <laughs> said you went over, so we're going to do speech sharing tonight at the table. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, why don't we go ahead and stand up? By the way, let me pray. Yeah, why don't you pray? Let me pray. Father, I just thank you. I want you to say this to me. Why don't you stand up? And then, by the way, if you haven't been here, this is the first time you've been here, we have tables. You can just pick a table and sit down. We'll just talk. Father God, I just thank you right now for each and every person here. Say this with me. Say, Heavenly Father, I thank you that I'm a child of God. No attack of the enemy will be able to take me down. Because my feet are shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. And I will go forward. I will not retreat. And I will make a difference in this world. Because you placed your love inside of me. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Okay, bless you. Go ahead. Amen. If you guys will go ahead and head out. If this is your first time here, basically what we're doing, we have different tables out there. Uh, find a table that has an open spot. And join the group, and we're just going to have a discussion and get to know each other a little bit more. So you guys are released.